Uh, tonight we wrap up the wrap-ups of the unfinished series. And next uh, weekend we will be uh, beginning uh, the same series but different uh, chapters that we did last summer, the Summer Psalter. We're going to take the five psalms you as a church family uh, voted for and just be teaching on them. So come on back next week as we look at the Summer Psalter series. We were originally going to uh, start the Summer Psalter series tonight, but when I was away for our long break, I just felt I, I wanted to speak into this book one more time and remind you of how phenomenal this story really, really is. And so now we do a wrap up and a review of all the very, very good teaching that our good pastoral team uh, and Louis Halbgawax presented to us. So Acts is the story of the start, the story of the birth of the early church. It is called, the title in most of our Bibles is the Acts of the Apostles. The more correct title in my judgment is the Acts of the Holy Spirit. It starts in the city of Jerusalem with 120 people. 120 people, city of Jerusalem. And 30 years later, it's reached to the ends of the known world. You get to chapter 28 and the Apostle Paul is in the city of Rome teaching Gentile Christians. This is a phenomenal story here. The birth of the early church. The early church didn't have all the stuff we think are foundational to, to success. They uh, didn't have lots of cash flow. They didn't have influence. They didn't have buildings. Catch this, they managed to grow without having buildings. They didn't have an insurance policy that provided legal protection in case they ever got sued. Didn't have any of the stuff that we think are so essential to having a, an effective church ministry. And yet, 120 people over 30 years touched the entire known world. And even a few hundred years after Acts chapter 28, the church is recognized as the official religion of the entire Roman Empire. 
This is the story of the Holy Spirit doing a work. This is the story of the Church of Jesus Christ marching forward. And it's an unfinished story. It's like one of the movies Pastor Don and I watched while we were away. And we got to the end and we both looked at each other. That's it. It's a story that seems like it hasn't ended. And the reason the story isn't ended is because the story isn't ended. The work of the church keeps going on. So how did all of this happen? What made the early church so effective? I want to leave with you three things I think that that contributed to that. And the first one is they stayed focused on the big picture. They stayed focused on the big picture. What was the big picture? Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, and, and I think this is out of the New Living Translation. Yes, it is. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So I take you way back, four or five months, and I mentioned four key words here. Power, spirit, witnesses everywhere. Power, spirit, witnesses everywhere. That is what this story is about. These are people who in the power of the Spirit of God went witnessing everywhere. It's their statement. It's what they were there for. The neighborhood church, we talk about come in, reach out, grow up. We invite people to come into Christ. We invite people to come into the church and we help them grow up. And then what do we need to be doing again? We begin to reach out so more people will come in. That is what the church was doing. And they never got their eyes off the big picture. They never got their eyes off the big picture. And all of it comes down to, in my judgment, the first highlighted word. They were living in the power of the Spirit. Acts chapter 1, verse 5, Jesus is saying this just before he ascends back to heaven. Acts chapter 1, verse 5. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. The word baptized, you've heard me say this. I hope you've heard me say this. I hope you've heard me say it so many times you're sick of it. The word baptized is the Greek word abaptizo. I love that word. Baptizo. And it, it talks about being all in. It's getting completely immersed 
in the Spirit of God. They walked in a way where they were just totally immersed in the big picture, immersed in God's purposes, immersed in God's plan. Not here, of course, but there are many Christians, many church communities that aren't really interested in being immersed in God's stuff and God's ways and God's kingdom. They just kind of want enough of Jesus around so they can dip their toes in every once in a while and kind of get cooled off. But people who are just dipping their toes into the purposes of God never turn a community upside down. This early church was immersed, baptizoed, in the will and the way and the purposes of God. Not many days from now, you're going to be baptizoed. And so we see the story unfold as we go through the book of Acts. And it starts in, in Jerusalem. We see the working out of this progress of the gospel. And we read the story of Baptizo when the day of Pentecost arrived. They were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven the sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues of fire appeared on them and rested on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There was this, this is that. Jesus said, this is going to happen. Not many days from now, you're going to be baptizoed in the Spirit of God. And it happened in Jerusalem. They came in Jerusalem, and the church was birthed in this empowerment of the Spirit of God coming upon the 120 people of God. Baptizoed. All in. Acts chapter 2, in verse number 41 People were filled with the Holy Spirit. They received God's word. And they were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. It's pretty significant growth, 120 to 3,000. But what's it rooted in? It's rooted in the powerful working of the Spirit of God. The church will never be everything God wants it to be. When church for us is just, uh, I can't wait to Sunday, Saturday at 6, I'm going to go get into Jesus a little bit. And hopefully he won't expect anything from me for the next six days. The early church 
was empowered, baptized by the Spirit of God. Power, Spirit, witnessing everywhere. And the story goes on. So what did Jesus say? Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you'll receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You'll be witnesses for me in Jerusalem and Judea. Notice Judea on the map. Jerusalem's in Judea. The gospel spread out from Jerusalem into Judea. We get to Acts chapter 10 and the gospel is now in Samaria. And how does God start the work in the second section of, of, of this book? Because he said the gospel is going to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. What happens in Acts chapter 10? City of Caesarea uh, in Samaria. So the red word up the coast there in Caesarea. What happens there? Acts chapter 10. Verses 44 to 46, let me read it to you. Acts chapter 10, verses 44 to 46. Peter was in the middle of his sermon. And the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. I wonder if when we come into God's house, there's a craving in our hearts for the Holy Spirit to come in as the word's being preached. Or are we hoping, sure hope pastor gets this done so I can get back to my stuff. Holy Spirit comes while Peter's preaching. And the believers from among the circumcised who'd come with Peter the Jewish folks who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles, for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Huh. The gospel has to go forward. Starting in Jerusalem, this powerful demonstration of the immersion in the Spirit, the baptizo in the Spirit is taking place. And now let's ramp it up and touch more people. Let's get into Samaria. And what happens in Samaria? Baptizo. Baptizo in the Spirit of God. Immersed in the Spirit. God's work does not go forward with people who are content to be toe-dippers. God's work goes forward when we are hungry and anxious to be immersed in the power and the presence of the Spirit of God. So the story continues. And now the story takes us off the map to the uttermost parts of the world. You have to go way that away on that map. And on that map, you have to go way that away. And we get in Acts chapter 19... 
to the city of, of Ephesus, far reaches of the known world at that time. And what happens when they're getting to the uttermost parts of the earth? What's the story here? Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You'll be witnesses everywhere. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. So Paul gets to Ephesus, Acts chapter 19, and he says to the people gathered there, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, no, we, we haven't even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, well, then what were you baptized into? They said, well, we, we did John's baptism. We, we confessed our faith and got baptized in water. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him, that is in Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. There was this baptizo experience again, this empowerment of the Spirit of God. You see, in reaching the world, with the good news, God knew the secret was the empowerment of the Spirit of God. And the empowerment of the Spirit of God requires a immersion in God's Spirit. Hear me clearly, friends. The church that just wants to dip its toe into God sing a few happy songs on the weekend. We'll never turn the world upside down. You have to be immersed. Immersed in his purposes and in his ways and desires. So... Why was the early church so effective? Well, they never got their eyes off the big picture. They weren't toe dippers. They experienced the empowerment of the immersion in the Spirit of God that propelled them to not be ashamed of the gospel. <laughs> And they were just identifying themselves as believers and sharing their story. Earlier today, we said our final farewells to Wes Heyer. A good friend of his shared the eulogy and uh, he talked about meeting him when he was out uh, at a cabin 
and Wes was moose hunting and he walked deep into the woods. He says this was the first time, and I'd been there many, many, many times, first time I'd been at my cabin where I ever saw a person. And he said, within a minute, Wes had identified himself as a follower of Christ. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of be quiet about my faith. <laughs> and then we wonder why the church isn't a powerhouse. Spirit, power, witnesses everywhere. Second thing. The early church was committed to their role in the big picture. They were committed to their role in the big picture. So Acts chapter 6, we run into a problem where there was for the first time some division in the church. Pastor Yasmin taught powerfully on God being a mathematician and knowing so much about addition and multiplication and even does some subtracting. But God is never into division. But in Acts chapter 6, there's division. And the problem is there was a group of widows who, who felt neglected. And there were, there were also some uh, accusations of racial favoritism. And the disciples recognized they had a problem and they said, we've got to get some help here and making things work in the church. And they said, let's find some people uh, who can serve. The Greek word is diakoneo, diakoneo, and we get the word deacon from it. But often when I've heard this portion preached, it's kind of, yeah, we the apostles, we're going to do the big stuff, the important stuff. We're, we're going to be the people who really make the church work. We're, we're going we're gonna to be the people who pray and get into God's word. And we need to find some people who will do the itsy bitsy pithy stuff. I don't think that's the heart of this story. I think the heart of the story here is the apostles are saying, we're going to diakoneo by, by doing what we're called to do. We're going to pray. We're going to get into God's word. We're going to make sure people are growing in God's word. That's how we're going to diakoneo. And we need some other people to come alongside of us and, and diakoneo by by serving and making sure the widows are getting fed and the tables are being put up and the chairs are being taken down. Sandwiches are being made. And the church got their stuff together in order for the gospel to continue to go forward. Everybody stepped up and did their part. You see, they were, they were all in. What? 
come to church and make sandwiches? You kidding? My favorite football team plays that afternoon. They weren't toe dippers. They were all in. They were immersed. And they committed to their role in the big picture. Third thing, I think, in this book that we need to recognize in terms of why the early church was effective is they all took responsibility for doing their part in the big picture. We all took responsibility for doing their part in the big picture. Skip the picture of the two gentlemen. I put it up there just for a second and then go to the next one. I want to want to respect time here. Those first two guys were Charles Parham and W.J. Seymour. That's another story of how the church kept on receiving the, the empowerment of the Spirit of God to be witnesses. But that guy back there, yes, that guy is my dad. Dad turned 92 a week ago today. I took that picture about six weeks ago. You know, when you're young and you're living at home, and even when you're young and aren't living at home and are, are married, sometimes you really don't appreciate your parents the way you should. I'm old enough now to know what it's like to be able to get really tired. I know what it's like to, uh, and I try not to succumb to it, but I know what it's like to try to, to feel like giving up. My dad lived tenaciously and my dad lived no toe dipping no toe dipping my dad was immersed in the ways and purposes of god within the church of jesus christ reaching the world I was five years of age and we moved to the city of Calgary. I'm five, I don't nothing, no nothing. I still got a bed, mom's making meals every day, but everything's good. But I look back and dad went into Calgary and worked as a journeyman carpenter. And when he got home at night, he built our family a very, very comfortable home. 
the kids I went to school with thought we were the richest people in that part of Calgary because we had the biggest, nicest house. Dad worked hard for us to have a roof over our heads and a comfortable one. And as soon as he'd finished building our roof, he bought the five lots next to it. And when he got home from work, he physically built a church. So that part of that city would be reached with the gospel of Christ. Dad was all in. Dad gave his whole heart to serving his family and to serving God for the sake of the gospel. He gave almost 11 years of his life to getting that church started in, in Calgary. And then when it was finally able to pay him, he said, I'm out of here. And his friend came in and started to pastor and he went to Barhead, Alberta. There was no house for the church pastor to live in. And we lived in a little place for a little while. And dad said to the church, I'm going to help you here. I'm going to build a house so your pastor will always have a house to live in. And Dad built a big four-bedroom house. And when he got the house finished, he said, we need to add on to this church too. <laughs> and he went and they built onto the church. Dad served his family. And Dad served his church did what he could. He took his part seriously so the gospel would go forward. Then he goes to Thunder Bay, Ontario, and guess what he did? He built his family in a real nice house. Don and I pastored with him for four years. Didn't build us a house, but my sisters had one. And then when he was done that, God helped the church buy six acres of land right in the middle of the city. And dad oversaw the construction of that church. Why did he live like that? He could have just found a house to live in and kind of put in a few hours at the church every day and kind of just maintain things. But dad never got his eyes off the big picture. We're here, friends. We're here, friends, to see the gospel go forward. Power, spirit, witnesses everywhere. Dad wasn't a toe dipper. Dean Heights serves our church well as one of the members of our board of deacons. Dad was done in Thunder Bay. He was kind of figuring out what the next steps were, went to church in Brandon and did some interim work. He was on the district executive in Manitoba and they said, we've got to close the church in Carmen, Manitoba. Nothing's happening there. And dad said, dad said, no way. <laughs> That's too big a community to not have a good gospel witness in it. I'll go. 
So dad moved to Carmen. Guess what he did? Built his wife and then one sister a big house. He said, Paul me, says, I'm putting five bedrooms in it because I want everybody to be able to come home a few times a year at the same time and there to be a room for every single family. Built the house. When he was done building the house, he went and made an addition to the church because he was going out knocking on doors, knocked on every door in Carmen and said, I'm the pastor of a church and I'm here to serve you. If there's anything I can do for you, let me know. And the church began to grow. They filled that little church and this didn't happen in dad's time, but they went on and built a, a beautiful facility in a different location. Why, why, why? Because they had their eye on the big picture. He had his eye on the big picture. The early church had their eye on, on the big picture. Friends, I believe in the neighborhood church. I believe in you guys. And it's really neat to, to be able to reopen and bring our chairs in here and, and come together and don't have to wear masks anymore. You're welcome to. You do what you're comfortable with. We're even going to give you some food afterwards. I've been able to do that in the church for 16 months. We're going to eat. We're going to celebrate a bit. But I think back to early 2020, friends, and this church was so ready to get serious in a renewed way about presenting the gospel and reaching our community for Christ. And, and we had processes in place and over 200 people signed up to take roles and positions and responsibilities on and say, I'm going to give a few hours every week to make sure the church goes on. And then for the last 16 months, we've sat on our chairs in our family rooms and our living rooms or laid in our bed with a, with a machine in front of us and maybe gave the church an hour a week. And at some point we even got bored with that. And one of the biggest problems in the church as we move forward now is a thing called volunteer erosion. We've lost our volunteer base. We need, we need people who will say, I'm, I'm in this. I'm immersed. I'm all in. I'm committed to help reach the community with the gospel of Christ. And your paid staff can't do it alone. We all have to take responsibility. We all have to find our place. We all have to uh, take a generation like that generation and take a generation like Wes Heyer who knew how to serve and knew how to do his part. We've all got to say, I'm in. I'm going to take my responsibility seriously. That's why 
120 people in Jerusalem turned the world upside down. So my challenge for you is to remember the big picture of the story. Next slide. No, let's go back. Yep. I want you to remember that our lives really are quite short. This is the portion of scripture I shared in the higher funeral today. We disappear like a breath. We last no longer than a faint shadow. Friends, if all you're doing is trying to get ahead down here, you're missing the big picture. We live with eternity in mind. And when we say we live with eternity in mind, we live with an understanding that people hearing the gospel is the most important thing any of us can do. Power, spirit, witnesses everywhere. Next slide now, thank you. The church, early church, never got their eyes off that. They stayed focused on the big picture. They committed to their role in the big picture. And they took responsibility for doing their part in the big picture. So the worship band comes and we get ready to just close the service with, with a song. I'm going to ask them to just play in the background. And I want us to have a say love moment here. I want this to be a place of, of quiet and honest inspection of our hearts. I want you to ask yourself and be honest with yourself, friends. Is your life properly focused on the big picture? Is your life properly focused on the big picture? Are you committed to the role you're supposed to be having in the big picture? Are you? See, there are some things you can do that no one else can do. There are things that need to be done in this church that I don't have the skill, the ability, the gifts, or the intelligence to do. We need each other. We need each other. Are you committed to your role within the big picture? And lastly, what practical step can you take to demonstrate your commitment to doing your part within the big picture? Maybe what you need to do tonight is grab the Connect card that's in the pocket in front of you and simply indicate on there that you're willing to have a discussion about the ministry and the part you can play. Friends, we need each other. And there is nothing in your life, hear me clearly, there's nothing in your life that in the big picture should be more important to you than the cause of the church of Jesus Christ, the cause of the kingdom, the cause of the gospel. That's why 
the story in the book of Acts. That's why the story in the book of Acts is so powerful and the story still unfinished. We want to be a part of what God still wants to do. So take a moment, be honest, just you and Jesus, you and the Holy Spirit talking right now and look at that and then I'm going to pray and then we're going to stand and worship and Pastor Yasmin will come and wrap everything up. Father, what an amazing story, unfinished story in this book of Acts. Awesome. But it didn't happen without a group of people being all in, immersed in your work on the wor in the world. I pray, oh God, that you would come and we, your people, would renew our commitment to the big picture, to the stuff that really matters, to finding our place in fulfilling your desire to see a world get to know your son. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.